Hey everybody, welcome to episode 176 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, coming to you from my house in Austin, Texas, where I am quarantined with my wife and three kids as we try to wait out the COVID-19 pandemic. For today's episode, I'm bringing you a discussion that I had last Friday with Justin Smith, who's one of the Rogue coaches in New York City where we have a group that runs out of Columbus Circle there, does a lot of the workouts in the park. We started that group last January, training for the New York City Half Marathon. That group went on to train for the New York City Marathon last fall and has been building momentum ever since. Originally, this interview was meant for just for our Rogue Nation group, and I decided to share it more broadly because I think Justin's perspective on the situation in New York City needs to be heard by others so that we can all reflect on what that might mean in our own geographies. I think Justin also has really good perspective on how to think about waiting out this pandemic for those who have who've had races canceled on them. Justin also just brings a joy for the community of running that I think is contagious and makes me excited about the possibilities of getting back with our in-person groups when this is all over. So I wanted to bring this to the masses, let you all hear what Justin has to say about this situation. And so with that as a quick intro, I'm going to jump right in with him. Welcome, Justin, to the Rogue Nation podcast. How are you doing today, Justin? Hey, Chris. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good to have you, sir. You're, of course, as I mentioned, are one of our coaches for the New York City group and wanted to get you on to provide a perspective to Rogue Nation, not only on what we're doing in New York, but also obviously on a situation in New York with COVID-19 that is far escalated anywhere else in the country at this point. So we'll get to that in a second. But before we get there, did want to get a little background on you. First, let's just start with you as a runner. How did this start for you, Justin? <laughs> well, running started for me uh, quite early. Uh, I threw actually karate. Uh, I started maybe when I was like, I started karate when I was three. And running was a big component of that. Um, but I'd say I hated it that back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> because everything was about running as hard as you could possibly go. Um, so I ran for years. I did my middle school cross country team and everything. And then I just, I couldn't take it anymore. So then I stopped running for a few years. And then, uh, it's basically when I moved to New York city, uh, about like six years ago that I reconnected with the sport, uh, cause some of my friends were running. And this time I realized that you could run and actually enjoy it. Uh, so it was, it's, I've had such a, different experience with running because I chose it this time instead of, you know, it kind of being thrust upon me. Um, So that was my running history. Um, And then I joined November Project and that got me really involved because I, even though I was running for two years, I didn't, um, I didn't do any races or anything. Uh, So once I joined November Project in New York and started doing all these workouts with all these new friends, um, basically that, that group mentality, that community kind of pushed me to want to get out there and race and know that I'd have people cheering for me and that I'd get to cheer for others. So yeah, that's, that's been my relation to running. It's, it's so much of a community mindset now. What's it like with the race environment there in New York? I mean, obviously New York Roadrunners has races all the time. 
And I think it's hard if you're not from New York to really understand what that's like. So what was it like being thrust into that for you? You know, for me, it's been very, um, I've been lucky that I've been with the group of like November Project through it, because you're right, it is very, um, it's very interesting and quite intense. There's a race almost every week um, for New York Roadrunners, but there's races all, all the time for even different groups. But New York Roadrunners is really well organized and they constantly have races that are lots of fun. They have thousands of people for every race. So you get used to that mentality. But there's even like a whole club circuit where, you know, all the different clubs, um, they race against each other, their teams. And some of them get very, as I said, they get very intense. Uh, so it's all about points. And at the end of the year, there's big awards and everything. So uh, and it takes I think it's like the top five times for each team. So even November Project and stuff has like a team and it's the lowest times for every team and then they calculate it and then you're in different divisions and stuff. It's a whole crazy world. But I mean, my first race in New York was the Brooklyn Half, which is, I believe, the largest half marathon in the country. Um, really? And Yeah, I think it has like 40,000 people in it. And so it was pretty overwhelming for that to be my first race. You walk into this crowd and I was in wave one, there's two waves. So there's 20,000 people in each wave. And I think it took 20 minutes for me to reach the start line. So I've never had that kind of experience before where it's, you know, when they say go, just kind of walk. It's like running. (laughs) It's like running in a major marathon all the time. uh, In a lot of these races, because even the smaller races are at least 5,000 people. So It, it can be a struggle, even the smaller races, but that fi- you, you may try to like your first mile will probably be way too slow because you can't get around people and stuff. The courses just aren't big enough. I didn't realize that Brooklyn half was that big. I mean, I knew it was big, but I didn't realize 40,000 people. I mean, that's close to the size of the New York city marathon itself. Yeah. I think the New York city is just over 50,000. So that's great. It, it, it certainly feels like one of those kind of big races and the course is the course is okay. You know, the first half is great. And then and you run to Coney Island, which sounds really exciting. But when you actually get to Coney Island, you realize <laughs> you probably should have been running in the other direction. <laughs> yep. The, I think one of the things that drew you to us when we were looking for coaches in New York or drew me to you. And when we were looking for coaches in New York is the fact that you talked, when you talked about your running experience with me the first time, you talked about the importance of community and the group mentality and supporting each other. You've already mentioned that a little bit, but what is that, what has that done for you as a runner? I mean, it, it, it almost does more for me as like a person too. I mean, it's, it's friends. It's, it's, you know, running is so much of a sport where it could be like, you get to decide how you want to approach it and you can make it all about you. And there's that aspect of it that you go out there for your personal records and stuff. But when you realize when you have a community, there's so much more empowering things about that, that you're not just out there for you. You're trying to do the best you can, but you're also out there with others. And there's that whole, like, even just going on long runs alone um, is really difficult. It's tough to motivate yourself in that kind of way. And there's something about being around other people who are encouraging you and that you can encourage um, that just makes such, it, it makes going out and run feel like something that's fun to do rather than a chore. Um, so 
that aspect of running, I think, is so crucial and being very positive and, and looking out for other people. Um, it, it's such a, uh, to me at least, it's very crucial uh, because people, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but it's really, it's, you know, running, running in a group is just so empowering and just being positive and being there for others um, can mean so much to them. Even if I'm not in a race, once again, in New York, there are races almost every week. I'm not running in a race every week, but I am out there cheering most, most of the races. We always have cheer spots and everything to go out and give high fives and to people that I don't even know. I mean, that's a big thing about the cheer, cheer spots I'm in. You know, we're not just cheering for the people we know, we're cheering for everybody out there. Um, and in New York, you see that um, it's very special because there's a lot of different kinds of races. There's the Achilles race, um, which is all about the Achilles athletes. And and it's so motivating to be out there and cheering. And to a lot of these people who are out there running, it is it is such a huge accomplishment. It's, it's important to look inside and remember that, that, you know, although we may go out and run, you know, some of us may go out and do 20 mile long runs. For a lot of people going out and doing that first 5k, it's such a huge deal. And it's such an exciting event. And to be out there cheering in the same kind of way, I, I just think is so important. And, and is a good reminder of why I step outside in the first place to go for a run. Yeah, I love it. So what made you want to be a coach? <laughs> well, you know, there's, it's kind of goes back to that idea of like, I love cheering on other people. Um, you know, I, I didn't realize how empowering it would be to be out there cheering for other people and, and keeping track of how they're doing. And so when I heard that there was an opening for a coach, um, I just thought like, wow, this, <laughs> this is so me. I, I like to think that, um, I, you know, I can, tr- I can be a leader and be, tr- try to be charismatic. And, and I, I just, I love the idea of being with people throughout the whole training process. Um, and seeing how people develop and, and really rooting on people to reach their personal bests. Uh, there's something that brings so much more to running than just when I'm running myself. So it's kind of added a whole new layer, um, to that whole experience. So yeah, I, that definitely drew me to being a coach, just being around others and, and cheering them on and, and doing whatever I can to help. It's, it's, yeah. it's amazing. Takes me back to when we interviewed you <laughs> to talk about that, <laughs> that, that spot because the the energy that I think people are hearing now is the same thing I heard then when when we talked to you for the first time and it was at that point a no brainer to bring you in to help us with our first group in New York. We started last January 2019, training for the New York City half as a first group. You and your co-coach Amy were working with that group, and I remember flying up myself to get everything kicked off last year and to show you guys the ropes and the rogue way and all of that. And since then, we've continued on and built from there. You know, I had a solid first group, and then the group built even more, building into the New York City Marathon in November. And then you know we were gearing up for the New York City half again, but unfortunately, that got canceled due to this situation and then we're going to do the Brooklyn half which probably doesn't look good as well but that group has built and the momentum has built you've been a big part of it tell 
the community, a lot of them from Dallas and Austin, about your New York group? Well, one of the things we get to do, um, and you said it well, we started up last year, um, and we've continued growing. We've seen uh, a lot of members um, that have stayed with us even since the New York City half um, of last year. And we've watched their progress. Uh, we've watched, you know, the the classic two mile time trial. Uh, we've had people in only six months drop two to four minutes off of their time um, from their first two mile time trial, which is massive. We're seeing people growing and and getting faster and enjoying running more. And and you know, I think it's been very special to watch um, friendships um, being born from the group. Um, so. Yeah, we, we run in uh, Columbus Circle, uh, out of Columbus Circle location, and we run mostly around Central Park, which is something we definitely take for granted sometimes because, uh, you know, to us, it's just where we normally run, um, but we get to run past some of the more beautiful um, and even famous elements of, you know, TV and movies and the New York City Marathon. We run past that finish line almost almost every workout uh so it's a very special place to work out um during the marathon training when we do much longer mileage uh i love to draw up little roots and stuff um that we'd really we really get to explore the city um and i make sure bridges are involved because you know the new york city marathon has a lot of has a lot of bridges four to be exact so we got to make sure we're ready for for bridges so you know i i love during the 20 milers or even 18 milers, you know, we'll see three boroughs. We'll, we'll run into Queens. We'll, we'll cross into Brooklyn. We'll run back into, you know, lower Manhattan. We'll run around the, the tip of tip of the Island. Go, you, you'll, you'll be able to see the statue of Liberty. Um, you know, so much of our, our uh, long runs are scenic <laughs> and yeah, then we finish back up in central park, which is, which is always, which is always a good time. So Yeah. Yeah, I remember you know, I kicked helped kick off the group there in January, but I didn't come back to see the group again until August, I think, or late. It was okay. either late August or early September last year. And so it had been eight or nine months since I'd seen you guys and hadn't really seen the group and how it had evolved. And so I remember coaching a group or my group here in Austin that morning, jumping on a plane right away and then going to your group that evening. Hmm. You guys meet on Wednesday night there at the Time Warner Center. And so I got to see my group do a workout and then see you guys do a workout that night. And I remember having a little bit of fear walking in, just thinking, you know, not really knowing what to expect and what the vibe or the culture of the group would be and, you know, whether it'd be the same or different. And obviously all of our groups have their own flavor and, you know, personalities in a sense, but seeing your group that night and being able to experience the workout with them and having that to compare with, with, with seeing my group that morning, it just, it made me feel so proud because it was the same rogue ethos of working hard, but supporting each other, you know, that I think we're known for, you know, wherever we are, um, obviously with your own personalities and, and, you know, dynamic that also made it fun and different, but, in a way that was more additive than anything. And so it was just, it was just cool to see that, you know, contrast, not contrast, but that, that similarity from morning to evening. And it's the same rogue vibe, the same culture. And 
I knew, you know, almost instantly that, you know, what we had built there with you and Amy at the time leading was, was going to be good and was going to keep building because of the culture that you've been able to instill with the group. Well, I've been very proud of the the group that is formed just because once again, like you said, they're all so positive and they all encourage each other. And we have people of all different paces uh, from three hour marathoners to six hour marathoners. Everyone is out there supporting each other, um, running in groups, making friends. Uh, that's been amazing for me to see as well. Yeah. Talk about New York City Marathon. I know that was a big event in the fall and a big focus of the group. We had a mix, you know, more experienced marathoners going for PRs and we had first timers just trying to do their first and you were cheering on the sideline that day. What was that like? That was pretty amazing. Everyone, uh, everyone in the group loves to, to, to make fun of me from that day. Cause I ran probably almost a half marathon myself because <laughs> I was out at a cheer spot at like mile 14 and I ran, you know, at least a mile with like everybody. Like I'd, I'd run half a mile, you know, with them, chat with them, let them know how they're doing, see what they need, how, you know, check in with them. And then I'd turn around, run back to the cheer spot, then catch the next person. I probably did that 13 or 14 times for them. I didn't, I didn't get everybody, but uh, that was, that was really quite the experience, even just to be cheering for it. Um, I think a lot of the people, you know, once again, that combination of people who have done the New York City Marathon before and people who are new to it um, was really special because the people who had run it before could talk about their experiences and get everyone excited. Um, the little things like, you know, running down Queensboro Bridge and knowing at the bottom at First Avenue, there's going to be this huge cheer tunnel. Uh, all the things that you think about, the things you need to remind yourself as you get up on weekday mornings and go for your, you know, uh, like sort of like go for your run to go to your eight mile run in September when you really don't want to get up and, and go those reminders that like you are going to run the New York city marathon. And there's going to be all these moments along the way that are going to be very special. And we made it a, a big component to run most of the course, um, throughout the training. So every, you got to see what you were going to face. You got to run over the Queensboro Bridge. I probably made them do Queensboro Bridge like 10 times. So, <laughs> so even though that's one of the scariest and most difficult parts of the race, um, you knew what was coming. You knew uh, what was going to hit you. And even just running up Fifth Avenue, that hill at mile 22 or 23, I, can't rem- I can never remember which exact mile it is. But just knowing that it's there, the little things um, – it, it's just so key when you're training for a race like that. It is not an easy course, as you well know, Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and if you if you go out too hard, which is very easy to do, then the second half of the race will really bite you. It will really yeah. bite you. So it's so key throughout the whole training process to see everything that you're the, – the things, especially in the second half of the race, that you're going to face. And fortunately, in Columbus Circle, where we do our workouts, we're pretty much by the finish line so we can see – uh, most of that terrain. Um, I, you know, the week before we did, uh, the last 10, um, which was a special event that Jackrabbit does where you run the last 10 miles of the race, um, as your last long run. And I just remember chatting with people, um, and I could hear the enthusiasm, the excitement in the, in our group. And then I would chat with, you know, 
people we probably had I probably had 200 people in my pace group <laughs> that morning it was it was insane and just yeah you you'd hear all these people you'd talk to all these people that were maybe running their first New York City marathon and really had no idea what to expect um one guy that he chatted with said the 10 miles was the longest he had ever done <laughs> oh my oh my hey so so um i you know so i think after hearing all of that, our runners were even more encouraged because they knew that they had prepared well. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's yeah. awesome. Love it. Makes me, makes me feel that energy as, as you talk about it. For sure. Yeah. Iconic event there in New York. Let's turn to talking about the situation there now. I mean, obviously, as everybody knows, New York State, particularly New York City, has been really hardly or hit really hard with the COVID-19 virus. Uh, The site I look at, you know, says that there are 37,000 or there have been 37,000 cases in New York state alone out of the 82,000 or so in the U S and, and so you guys have been impacted probably more than anybody with this situation. How has it evolved for you as you've watched it play out? You know, it started out by just a few, you know, a few people in New York City and you didn't, you, you knew, I think we all know as like New Yorkers that this is a constant, a, a very high concentration of people. So it would spread very easily here. Um, you know, it, it sort of goes from a lot of denial to uh, suddenly realizing that you, ha- we have, you know, you have to stay home, like really stay home. And anytime you go outside, you are absolutely 100% at risk. Um, I think it, it all kind of hit me when like, it, it, it all happened very fast. The numbers just kept growing significantly. And uh, I think it was on like last Monday, um, I was at my office. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I'm a, I used to be a journalist. I used to like work for CNN and Channel 5 here. So I'm always try to be very up to date on the news. And I just, I turned in, I tuned into Governor Cuomo's uh, address for the day. And I just turned to my boss and he was the only one in the office. Uh, and I said, yeah, I need to get my computer uh, home. <laughs> and yeah. I'm a video editor. So that, that, is, that means like multiple monitors and the computer and my speakers and everything. So I was like, we, it can't wait anymore. And he's like, you're absolutely right let's let's figure this out let's do this so we got like an uber xl and like just got me home and now i've been locked up in this apartment pretty much ever since um i think one of the big scary things about new york is that you know we don't have a lot of the big grocery stores um that's probably been the toughest thing about all of this mm-hmm. uh getting getting the food and everything we i'm very lucky i live in queens so i actually have two major grocery stores within a 5 minute walk that is not typically the case in New York City. Um, typically, you have like a Whole Foods that is just like everybody in the Upper East Side goes to that Whole Foods and stuff. Or a Trader Joe's in the Upper West Side, like everyone goes to that one. There's only a couple big grocery stores. So those ones have been absolutely swamped. Mm. I think that's been the most difficult part. Um, I'm lucky that I don't live in Manhattan, so I haven't had to deal with that quite as much. Um, because everything, a lot of the shelves have been pretty much cleared there. And then it's very unclear what to do, uh, since Manhattan is an Island and you don't want to get on the subway 
uh, that's a like right. moment when I had to bring my computer home was the moment I realized I can't take the subway anymore. Um, because you never know, even if you wash your hands and everything, I mean, the subway anyway, God knows how many germs are, you know, on that anyway, but, uh, it's been an, it's been an interesting thing to go out and run. Um, although I can't run currently, uh, I got a stress fracture about two months ago, just out of the blue. Um, <laughs> it came on one run upstate in the snow. And so I've, uh, I've had to confine myself to biking and going for walks. And yep. what that means is like, I go for like a walk once a day and a bike ride once a day. And that is pretty much it. The rest I'm just confined to my home. And, uh, Fortunately, I've stocked up a little bit on like beans and rice so I can make burritos in my instant pot <laughs> pretty much every few days. Um, so it, it's definitely been an interesting thing, but you can still go out and run. And many of our runners have still continued to go out and run. Uh, there's plenty of open spaces, but you just have to know where to go. Like even Central Park, as far as I know, is actually re- has been really quite crowded. Uh mm-hmm with all the runners going out and doing the runs, but there are way there are safe, there are routes you can take that are going to be less busy and that you can stay away from everybody. But as far as I know, everyone in central park, even though there's a ton of them, everyone's trying to keep their distance as best they can. Yeah, man. I hadn't thought about the food situation. Like you're describing it, you know, everybody, everybody in Texas more or less has access to a major grocery store within a few miles of their house. Yeah. But I think about New York, people with small, small apartments, they're not typically storing a lot of food. They're eating, you know, maybe uh, something, you know, they might be getting, picking up food every day and just eating that instead of storing a bunch of food in their place or making or getting just enough ingredients to make their meal for a night, you know, from a market there near their apartment complex and haven't really thought about the impact of that. That's the thing. Most of us don't have cars. So we yeah. don't go and get big grocery loads. You know, we, we right. get what we can carry. Hmm. Man, that's that's a challenge I hadn't considered. What about from a from a running standpoint? You know, by the time we made our decision to shut down groups, that was after New York Roadrunners, for example, had already made that call there. How you know, how did that part of the equation play out? As far as canceling? Yeah, canceling groups, in-person groups. So it started to happen really the day we were making that first decision. Um, we, we were a small enough group that, you know, they had, limit, they had said limit gatherings to less than 50. Um, and so we, we came to a decision that we were a small enough group that we could, you know, keep apart and, uh, and keep running. Um, and so we did that one long run on the Saturday. And then by the time the Monday came around, um, the numbers had risen so much uh, and they had asked for groups less than even 10 um, to, to call it. So, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of groups started to make those cancellation decisions um, right before that weekend, um, just knowing that they were bigger groups. And, you know, it's, it's not an easy decision because, you know, once you, once you shut down, um, you don't know who's going to come back. But right. you also have to think about everyone's health and safety um, and make sure that you're doing the right thing. Um, so, yeah, it, it's been a, a, a lot of difficult decisions have had to be made. But, you know, I think based on the information we had and stuff, um, 
it's definitely been interesting to see all the groups get closed um, and people just not meeting up and everyone is really on their own for the first time as far as running. Um, yep. And I think it's, it's definitely making me appreciate the groups more. Um, and I already appreciate them a ton, but uh, it's, it's difficult to go out there and, and stay motivated for sure. One of the things before we talk about what your group is doing to stay connected, I, I you know, the thing that scares me the most in watching the news coming out of New York is the hospital situation on the front lines with hospital beds filling up and, you know, shortages of ventilators and things like that. And I know they're also working to potentially set up temporary hospitals and places like hotels and dorms there. All of it's in process and very fluid situation. From that perspective, what have you seen? What are you hearing? You know, what should we know, you know, as as a group mostly on the outside looking looking to New York for guidance? Well, yeah, as you can hear, the numbers continue to keep going up. Um, you know, I haven't I haven't heard a ton other than I mean, I've, I watch all of Governor Cuomo's um, addresses and everything to, to see what's going on. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to put in a hospital ship <laughs> in the bay in the in the Hudson, I think, uh, because, yeah, we're just we have a shortage of beds. Um, New York is once again, it's it's a very there's so many people can find a one place. Um, and so there's, there's plenty of hospitals, but there's not a ton. I mean, you got to think that in New York city alone, I, I believe there's about 9 million people in this, you know, few square miles really. Uh, so when something like this spreads, it just, um, the, you can't build enough hospitals, um, if everybody got sick. So, yeah, it's been it's been pretty uh, it's been pretty scary to watch. Uh, I guess that's why like the most thing I can do is just stay home and not get any get anybody sick and hopefully not get sick myself. I mean, these numbers are scary, um, but it is important to remember like certain statistics that you know thirty seven thousand people is a lot, um, and these numbers will continue to go up for a little while because in reality the the numbers are like a week behind. Because generally you don't start showing symptoms for several days and then you, uh, and then it takes a few days even for the test results to come in. So these results are really what it was a week ago. And so <laughs> who knows what's happening right now, what the actual numbers are. Hopefully they're going down with the quarantine um, pretty much in place. So, you know, the, the most we can do is just kind of stay home and it, it's a good feeling to know that I can't infect anyone else, even if I am sick without knowing. Although at this point I've been home for so long and away from everybody that I, I highly doubt that I have it, but it's a good feeling to know that like, at least, you know, I can't do anything more. If that right. makes sense. And that's the, that's the feeling I get from a lot of New Yorkers where it's just like, just stay home and just know that like you, you can't be, you know, if you're carrying it, then you can't spread it or you can't go and catch it yourself. Yep. And yeah, I, I hope, you know, all of those in our groups will, you know, already or have already internalized that message here, because if we do those things here, then hopefully we can prevent an escalation like you guys have already seen. But I want to turn to talking about your group. What have you done to stay connected with them during this time? 
Um, so most of it has been like even over Strava and stuff and um, continued email. Um, a number of people in my group uh, are constantly sending their Strava and Garmin workouts um, or like a little weekly recap to see, you know, to let me know that they ran three or three to five miles, um, that they did the workout. Here's how it went. Um, and that's something that I've loved to kind of encourage people to do, uh, even if they just miss workouts. Um, New York is a very interesting kind of training ground because a lot of the people who live here, they're traveling a lot. Um, so that's be, that's had to become part of our group um, already from the get-go. That, you know, if you're going to miss, if you're going to be, you know, somewhere in the country for a week for a business trip, you know, try to get in those workouts and email me the Garmin workout or whatever, and just let me know how it went. Um, this way we both hold each other accountable. So, you know, it's kind of encouraging to them to, to, you know, have someone to reach out to and, and know that you're on the hook to try and get in this workout. And then for me, it, it's a great way to see how they're doing and how they're progressing. So most of it has actually been through that kind of stuff. And fortunately, a lot of our members already knew to, to do that once, um, once we had to disband as a group. Yeah. I love it. We were talking before we got on about some of your lessons for processing this situation that have come actually from your injury. So talk about that. Yeah. So I, I got injured, um, the middle of January, Martin Luther King weekend. It was a stress fracture pretty much out of the blue in my left shin. Um, I kind of knew right away once it happened, it was a localized pain. So I put a boot on it and, um, I went to see a doctor like two weeks after that. And I was still hoping that I could do the New York city half. Um, but when I saw my doctor and got an MRI, it was very clear that, um, you know, it was severe. It was a pretty severe stress fracture. And so I'd be out uh, probably about three months from running. And whenever you're told that by someone, um, it's a pretty devastating feeling. It hurts. Um, you just, you wish you could change or you wish you could do something. Um, and I, I found that, you know, that after a few weeks later hearing that the New York city half was canceled the week of, I mean, those same feelings that everyone else was going through, um, of the race being canceled and having put in so much work and then, you know, not being able to do it or all these things, it felt very similar to what it feels like when you go through an injury, when you've put in all this work and then suddenly this race, this goal that you had was taken away from you. And I guess the whole injury perspective um, was that I can look at it and I can think like, oh, darn, you know, I should really feel bad for myself and this really sucks and I just want pity. Or you can kind of look at it from a perspective of like, okay, what's next? And, you know, what can I do to, you know, make this um you know, do what I need to do. So for a lot of people, maybe that mean, meant going out and running our virtual New York City half, which a number of our runners did. did. For another for another group of people, it meant, you know what, I'm going to take all this training I've done and put it towards the next race. Uh, so just the way you process things, um, you can look at it as an opportunity too. So for me, um, I've taken this time to swim. Uh, I really was not a good swimmer before, so I would I was going to the pool every day until my pool got closed last week, <laughs> uh, which is a bummer, but you know, you take what you can. 
and I was I was swimming every day and finally learning how to breathe properly and learning all these new skills and then also uh, aqua running or running in the deep end of the pool um, to not lose that running ability. And ultimately, I was saying from the moment I got injured, I'm going to come back stronger than when before I got injured. So this opportunity that like even in this quarantine that you could come back a stronger runner after this is all over, that you can do things at home, like the home workouts and stuff, um, the strength workouts, that you could come back and be a stronger runner when this is all over. So to look at this as an opportunity to work on other things um, instead of just you know looking at it as all a negative. I, I always like to look on the very positive side of things. So you know even this injury, you know I'm strengthening things that I never thought before to strengthen. So I'm confident I can come out a stronger runner, and you know everybody could come out a stronger athlete runner. Maybe this is your time to do triathlon stuff and hop on the bike. Um, so there's lots of different opportunities from even kind of these worst of circumstances. Um, and, and I know talking to a lot of my runners, it's been, it's been a weird case with these canceled races because you feel really upset, but you don't want to like tell people that you don't want to let it out because, you know, there's a bigger issue at hand. So it's been a tough thing internally for everybody because you want to be really upset about the race, but you don't know how to express that. You don't, you don't know how to, how to handle, you know, what that means for you. And, and it, it's a lot of months of training and it feels like it all goes to waste, but you also, it, it's such a balancing act. So, yep. you know, just by taking the time to really think like, how could I turn this into something good? How could I make an opportunity out of this? Um, it's so key to even things like this. I love that. Justin, and I think that perspective of thinking about it like an injury that costs you a race is perfect because I think many of us have been through that. If you know, if anybody's been running for any period of time, usually you've had that injury that's taken you out or maybe caused you to not get what you wanted from a race. And so we've all had that experience and can go back, maybe draw a little bit from it to figure out how to turn this situation into an opportunity, as you say. So I really, really love that. I also agree with your point about it's it's hard for many people to find a place to channel that frustration or anger because because you're right. It it feels selfish to be frustrated about canceling a race and yeah. and you know it it, it is in, in the bigger context of the situation because obviously there are people's lives at stake, but that doesn't change the fact that those emotions are there and they're real. And you need to give them an outlet. So I appreciate that you as a coach have been that outlet for those runners in New York. I would encourage anybody else who's listening that just needs that outlet to reach out to their coach and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. Get it out. Because getting it out is the first step to then being able to turn that negative into a positive as you just described. So thank you, Justin. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story and give us a little bit more on what's going on in New York. It's been really, really, really cool, really powerful. I think our community will love to hear this from you. So thanks so much. Oh, thank you, Chris. It's been nothing short of an absolute pleasure to to be a part of Rogue and uh, to start this New York City coaching adventure. So I thank you for that. Awesome, man. Well, we will talk soon. We'll keep going through this. <laughs> and if we can get through this, we can get through anything. For sure. 
Justin Smith, everyone, leader of our groups there in Manhattan. And as you heard on that discussion, we are currently operating those groups virtually as we try to keep everyone as active as possible as we can while we wait this out. I would encourage everybody to be operating in a virtual world and running solo and appropriately socially distanced so that we can fight this pandemic with all weapons out and hopefully get through it quicker because of that. So so please do that, not just for you and your loved ones, but also for those out there, those at-risk groups that could be more affected if this thing were to continue to spread the way it's spreading. And I appreciate everybody doing their part. So we'll wrap this episode. If you want to learn more about the Rogue Running community, you can go to roguerunning.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Rogue Running. You can also support the podcast on Patreon if you're so inclined. You can just go to the Patreon site and search Rogue Running. Otherwise, we really appreciate you listening. We appreciate the support, and we'll talk to you next week.